It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Ah, yes, it is Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being back once again as we have a very fun weekend in store. I think we're all hoping it's a very fun weekend. As the Mariners sweep aside the Oakland A's in four, we'll talk about the last two games that we haven't talked about to get that sweep. We'll take a look at the three-game series this weekend against the Angels. And a very fun conversation, two of my favorites. The Mariners are here, Jesse Smith, Joel Furman. We have a lot to discuss, including Casey Sadler, who's just been ridiculous and I feel like has been flying under the radar, which is kind of a really hard thing to do when your ERA is under one. But that's kind of the circumstance it's been for the Mariners reliever. So we have a ton to get to, but let's kind of set the table right off the bat as the Mariners sweep the A's. So it has put them within striking distance. When you take a look at where the M's coming into this weekend, two games back of the second wild card, the Red Sox winners of seven in a row off yesterday. They hold the first, the Yankees holding the second wild card. And that's the spot the Mariners want to get to. They've won three in a row. They were off yesterday as well. Blue Jays played in Minnesota. They went down to the twins. They've lost two in a row. So the Mariners at 84 and 69, five wins in a row, a game back of Toronto, two games back of the Yankees for the second slot. And here's the key to this weekend. Red Sox and Yankees playing each other in Boston. So put on your Red Sox caps. I know we spent a lot of time cheering against Boston here the last month, but you're cheering for Boston in a big way. You want them to sweep aside the Yankees, if at all possible. And it's a pretty great pitching matchup to start the series tonight from Fenway. You have Garrett Cole going for the Yankees, but you have Nathan Avaldi going for the Red Sox in game one of the series. So the Red Sox have their best guy going, or who has been, I guess, their best guy this season. Chris Sale is back, of course. Unfortunately, Sale will not pitch in the series against the Yankees. Uh, they'll have Pavetta going in game two, Boston will. And then Sunday night baseball, Eduardo Rodriguez will take the ball against Jordan Montgomery. That should be a good matchup in the finale of the series as well. So a massive series that we'll all be watching. Toronto, of course, will take on the Twins. Minnesota taking the first game of the series, which really helps the cause for the Mariners. Unfortunately, Robbie Ray will be going for the Blue Jays tonight against Minnesota, and he's been really tough to beat. One of the contenders for the Cy Young Award, so it's going to be a tough one for Minnesota. But we'll see what happens. Now, before we get to the Mariners and Angels, let's talk about the couple of games a little bit. Uh, we talked about the first two, of course. The Mariners taking the first two. And then Kyle Seeger coming up big in game three of the series for the Mariners. A little bit of personal history. There's the pitch of Kyle. Swung on. Fly ball. Deep center field. Marte going back to the one. He tracked to the wall. Leaps up. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Seeger with his 100th RBI of the season on his 35th home run of the year. A career high for Kyle Seeger. And it gives the Mariners a one to nothing lead here in the top of the fourth inning. 
So Kyle Seeger, RBI number 100, his 35th home run of the season. But the big story in this one, at least for this game, was Chris Flexen. It just continues to roll right along. Just the one two to Lowry, the pitch. Breaking ball, swung on a miss, struck him out seven Ks for Flexen. He goes one, two, three in the sixth. Flexen, seven innings of work, three hits allowed, one run, eight punch outs along the way. He pitches the Mariners to a 4 1 win. Talk about Chris Flexen in just a moment with Joel Furman. So the Mariners take the first three games of the series. And then yesterday, not a great start to things. Oakland, they jump on the M's early, a 3-0 lead, but the Mariners would work themselves back in it. Cal Raleigh, a big smash. The look in by Caprellian delivers, swing and a fly ball deep into right field. Pender going back, looking up, and goodbye baseball into the bleachers. There's number two for Cal Raleigh, and his second against the Oakland A's, and it's a two-run home run, and the Mariners are right back in it. It's now the A's four and the Mariners three on Cal Raleigh's second home run of the season. And then Luis Torrens would come up as a pinch hitter in the sixth inning and would come through huge. 2-2 pitch, swung on, yanked down the line. Stay fair, big boy. He did! A two-run homer by Luis Torrens. Pinch hitting, and the Mariners have a 6-4 lead. LT off the bench, his 15th home run. And the Mariners have battled all the way back. How about that? What a ball game. They come back. They get the home run from Terenz, the bullpen. Uh, Seawalt gives up a run in the ninth, but that was it. Bullpen did some heavy lifting as Kikuchi struggled again. Three innings of work, four walks, three runs. Uh, Scott Service goes to the pen, and they close it out as the Mariners, their first four-game sweep in Oakland ever. They've won five in a row. They are rolling at the most important time of the season, now within two games. Here's what Scott Service said after the ball game. Some kind of series, you know. Uh, like I've said many times, you know, when this trip started, focus on winning series. And, uh, you know, maybe along the way we catch a few breaks and, and we sweep somebody, and, and that's exactly what happened here uh, in Oakland. That's a really good team over there. But, you know, we got the momentum going. Um, getting the first couple games of the series, picking up last night's game, and then you get down in this game a little bit early. And just a constant belief in our dugout, if we can just put a, put some zeros up there, uh, we'll come up with some big hits, and that's exactly what happened today. So, uh, you know, and go through the whole list. <laughs> we used a ton of bullpen guys today, went to the bullpen early, uh, you know, thought that was the way to go to keep it there, and, and the guys really stepped up. You know, Miz got us huge strikeouts there to get out of the jam early. I think it was the fourth inning. Smitty, zero, two wings out of Sadler, uh, Diego, Seawald. I mean, it's everybody uh, really pitched in today. And then offensively, um, obviously some, some big home runs. Um, good for Cal Raleigh. I joked with him, got a little haircut. I said, the haircut's going to change it, brother, and it certainly did. Uh, he had a really good ball game today. Uh, the big two-run homer to get us back into the game. Uh, Hanny and then, you know, LT, you know, Luis with the big pinch hit bomb uh, off of Diekman. So, um, fun series, no question about it. Anytime you win four game or sweep a four game series at this time of the year, um, and like I said before the game, our guys are loose. They're enjoying the moment, uh, and that's really, really important. So I'll take any questions. Let's got at this stage of the season where you guys are at six and one on this road trip, four game sweep. Do you feel like you're playing your best baseball that you have all year? <laughs> We're doing a lot of things right. I think, and, and you need to, you know, you need to make great defensive plays. You need to control the counts. I mean, for the most part, we did that later in the game. Obviously, you say struggled early on, but uh, 
Uh, we're doing the things that, that we preached are going to be very important for us as we continue this journey. And all year long, I think I've said, you know, just focus on getting better. And, and we are continuing to get better. A uh, number of guys uh, stepping up when we need them to. So it's fun. It's fun to see it when it all comes together. We still got a lot to play for here with nine games to go. Hey, Scott, you had uh, in the third one you say was struggling. You had Johan up. You get the run there. Um, is that when you decided to go and go to the bullpen, or would you have brought you say back out if it would have stayed three three zero? And when you got it to three one, and you want to shorten the game up. Yeah, if it would have stayed three zero, I probably would have ran you say back out there. I thought if we could score a run that inning, and was trying to change the momentum of the game. Uh, I thought you know you say certainly was struggling command wise. Um, just had a bad feel to it. Sometimes you need to do something to change the momentum. You bring Johan in, first pitch he throws is a home run. Uh, but, you know, credit to Miz. Miz got us out of a big jam there. I thought that really just flipped the game uh, in our favor. And then Cal comes up and hits a homer, and we're right back in it. So um, we need to do something a little bit different. Um, it was worth a shot, and it works. Scott, going off the need to do something a little bit different, if you guys are in this position five days from now, do you go with you, say, or do you change it up because of the unpredictability right now? And you talk about the momentum. I mean, it's just – Seems like it'd be difficult to go into it right now, not knowing. Uh, we won't get out of ourselves. We got work to do over in Anaheim uh, and see how that series goes over there. And, and like I said all along, we need help. You know, we need some other teams to, to lose that are up in front of us right now. Uh, but we're, we're doing what we can do, um, you know, focusing on our games and winning our games. And, you know, if we get to that point, sure we'll, we'll talk about it, look at it. But, you know, nothing to talk about right now. Hey, Scott, good teams seem to get contributions uh, from a lot of different guys. And certainly you guys – you know, generally have been kind of top heavy this year in terms of production, but those swings by Cal and by Luis today really changed the entire uh, composition of this game and gets the momentum back in your favor. During this stretch, you guys have gotten those big hits from down there. How important is that? I think it's huge. I think it's a great point, Corey. Uh, you know, you are going to need everybody to contribute at some point. And certainly Cal has been struggling. You know, Luis has not. Luis has put together a really nice second half of the season, and, you know, you feel good about putting him up there. But even in that in that spot, I mean, he hit a tough pitch out of the ballpark. And the way Cal has been struggling lately, you just, you know, you keep believing uh, in young players and giving them opportunities, and hopefully, you know, they have a day like today, what Cal Raleigh had today, hopefully carries forward, build on, build on his confidence, knowing that he can be a big contributor here offensively, not just for what he does behind the plate. So, uh, for me, that, that's, that's what this thing's all about. You're giving young guys opportunity, you see it happen for them. You see the confidence grow, and now they really grow into being big time uh, performers at the big league level. That's the funnest part of my job. Hey, Scott, Miz looked, I know he hadn't pitched in about a week or so. He looked really refreshed out there. I mean, a lot of you guys ran hard, but that's part of, kind of a nice weapon with Olsen coming up because Olsen's giving you fits to have that lefty right there in that situation. It is. And, you know, even though you're bringing a lefty and Olsen's hit a ton, of, I think he's hit more homers off lefties this year than his righties. So you still got to execute pitches. I thought Miz's curveball today was outstanding. And not just the Olsen matchup, it's the Gomes matchup behind him. You know, Gomes is a big, he crushes left-handed pitching. You really have to execute pitches. And he did, you know, he threw some high fastballs. He got him to chase a curveball, you know, underneath the zone. So uh, huge, huge outs in the game. You look at it, it's the fourth inning. How big can they be? It really did allow us to win this ballgame. Did you know you were going to push Sadler for the extra because of the quick pitch count, or was that the plan coming in? Did you know you had a little extra coming? No, I think when you you know you put somebody out there, you don't think they're going to throw a five-pitch inning. But when he did, uh, it certainly made it easy. And Casey's put together a phenomenal 
you know, end of the season for us. Uh, you know, when he's come, since he's come back from being out there early in the season, he's just been electric, you know, locating as good as anybody we have on our pitching staff. And we got some guys that can that know where the ball's going, but maybe not as anybody is as good as he does right now, you know, with the cutter and the sinker, you know, he had a little extra hop on his fastball today as well. So, um, you know, we had the quick inning. Why not? We'll run him back out there. And it's awesome. We were able to get two innings out of him. All right. So the Mariners get the sweep of the A's. They've won five in a row. And now they will turn their attention to the Angels, a team that has struggled in September. Uh, you look at WRC Plus in the month of September, they have the very lowest in Major League Baseball as injuries have really taken a toll on the star power. Otani is still there, of course. He's on his way to becoming the American League MVP. He's actually going to start on Sunday in Game 3 of the series. But no Trout, no Upton, Rendon. You go down the list, and they're missing some heavy hitters in the order, and they've paid a price for it as Walsh and Fletcher have really struggled in the second half of the season. So this Angels team looks different than the Mariners have seen uh, the last time they saw them. It's been a while. And they'll see them, of course, the last series of the season as well. So massive games coming up against the Angels. Logan Gilbert in Game 1, 638 first pitch tonight. We'll take the air at 530 for the pregame show. It'll be Tyler Anderson in Game 2 of the series, 607 first pitch on Saturday. And Sunday, Marco against Shohei Otani, 107 first pitch, and the road trip comes to an end. Amazing trip it's been so far. The Mariners 6-1 and one through Kansas City and Oakland. And they would love, love to finish this off with another sweep. That is so much easier said than done. But not a lot of, not a lot of margin for error. No doubt about that with just two games back with uh, just a handful of go at this point. Nine games left in this season. The Mariners come home after this. This is the last road series of the season. The Mariners will end things at home. So let's turn our attention down to two of my favorites, a couple of Mariners. Jesse Smith, the Senior Director of Analytics, and Joel Furman, the Director of Analytics. And we start our conversation with uh, Joel talking about Chris Flexen. Always happy to give my weekly Chris Flexen update. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been awesome. It, it's really fun to watch in that it feels like Every start, it's kind of a new pitch that carries the day for him. Um, I think yesterday, the curveball seemed to really be the one that stood out. But we've seen starts where it's the changeup that really helps him out, especially against the lefties. And um, it's the cutter that gets him back into the count when he falls behind. Um, and sometimes it, it, it's the fastball um, that finds that extra gear and, and gets swings and misses. But, um, you know, it's a combination of uh, – it was a good – process i think by everyone to to identify him starting kind of with jerry and um and really everyone uh in the department and then you know i think we've gotten an outcome we we couldn't have even really imagined just based on the work that that chris has put in and and the teammate that he is and and um has really just been awesome so it's been fun and jesse if i go through our text chains i see a lot of french flags in there <laughs> <laughs> is that fair to say very fair very fair gary yeah it's it it's an understatement uh, to say that it, it, it feels good watching that. It's the best part of the job for me is, was watching our hard work sort of pay off on the field. And, you know, certainly it's hard to predict the future. And I don't think we thought Chris Flexen would be this good or that Ty France would be this good. We just thought that they could be good and, you know, they were worth, they were worth taking a chance on. Uh, and it's, uh, it's so fun. It's, it's amazing to, to just watch it play out on the field. Is that the fun of the job where 
I mean, you really never know. You do your best. You do all the work. But there is mystery to baseball, and there will always be mystery to baseball because we're talking about human beings, right? Indeed, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you not bringing up all the losses that we've well, had. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that happens, years, but, though. There, no uh, yeah. one's perfect in this. Yeah. It's impossible to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, it is It is certainly the reward and um, doesn't come without challenges. But, um, you know, it's a pretty unique thing we shouldn't lose sight of that uh, being able to watch kind of the process play out on such a, a big stage, you know, every night is really a, a fun thing. Yeah, and I think one thing that is important here is that I think across the league, a lot of smart data science Mariners types have great ideas, and uh, they don't always have they don't necessarily have the buy-in to put them in play. Mm. But the environment we have in our front office is is so good, and you know I think we have a lot of trust from Jerry and Justin and, and certainly when we are occasionally right about something that that only helps that <laughs> so I, w- I would like to get your advice on something for fans uh, I was you know watch while watching Jared Kelnick's September play out and the numbers he's put up it's been interesting to me uh, to watch kind of underneath the surface y- you look at his last three months and if you can picture kind of a, a line graph his swinging strike rate has gone down, and at the same time, his hard hit rate has gone up. If you're talking to fans and they're asking you, hey, what should we be looking for? Because in this hitting environment, especially with young hitters, they're going to struggle because it happens to everyone outside of Wander Franco, I guess. I guess he's the exception, but and Juan Soto. You know, outside of those freak of nature cases, like all young players struggle what should fans be looking for kind of out of the the surface numbers what advice would you give yeah i think um the biggest thing that i have heard with jared is i think something that kind of goes into our entire player development process and coaching process at the big league level which is that i think he's taking an approach right now that the contact rate and the hard contact rate that you're mentioning are almost sort of the output and the input that everyone is focused on is are you swinging at the right pitches Mm. um and i you know there are two things that go into that there's laying off the pitches outside of the zone but there's also pulling the trigger on the pitches you can do damage on in the zone and i think what we've seen from jared is just an increased focus in that area an increased emphasis on recognizing pitches swinging at the right pitches and laying off the right pitches and 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 what we've seen in the hard contact um is just sort of a byproduct of that i I think that that's been a focus and and you'll see a lot of uh commentary about the differences in his setup he's more upright and things like that i i think all of that is towards the end of trying to see the ball better and trying to make Mm -hmm. better swing decisions i think we've seen that and we've seen the results um follow here this month something that uh scott service said a few weeks ago i thought was really on point in regards to kelnick is that early on he came up and he wasn't he was getting his pitch but he was maybe slightly missing his pitch and i bring up something like that uh as you know that's obviously not something that we like to see but not really it wasn't a concern for me Mm. uh i think we feel strong that he has incredible uh, bat to ball skills and knack to find the sweet spot and get mm-hmm. to power. And you know he's given us zero doubt about his ability to do that. And and like you said, Gary, when when players come up, the majority of great players when they come up, they struggle. Uh, I think you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. even struggled quite a bit yeah. when he came up. 
And so it's not surprising that when a hitter is seeing a higher caliber of pitching for the first time that, you know, they might be a tick off on things. Uh, so like Joel said, it's all about, it's all about process of getting to that. We know if he can keep getting to that good pitch that, that he will start hammering that good pitch, which, you know, I think we're starting to see. And, uh, and Kelnick's a very process oriented player. So I think that bodes really well for him. And, uh, just staying consistent and and making better swing decisions which which I do think are slowly are slowly starting to show up the the hard contact will continue to increase I think yeah yeah it's funny I was thinking about you two and your jobs must be so interesting right now as the team is trying to chase down a wild card at the same time a lot of your day-to-day has to be focused on next year right you're living in both worlds at the same time the now and a lot of in the future right i mean how strange is that to kind of be living in next year day-to-day already pretty normal for pretty us normal. I guess. <laughs> yeah. honestly uh our, jerry is like on a whole nother level he's got like the next four years like mapped out <laughs> yes. at any given yes. time you know he's always looking 50 years in the past and five years ahead <laughs> you just never really know uh but yeah it's it's a little different right like from our purpose, I think we've already put the wheels in motion for this season. And uh, mm. while obviously we, we help on the on the edges, what's going to happen is going to happen. And the biggest impact for us now is, is helping plan, you know, the next season and several seasons after that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it, w- the interesting intersection is how, how sort of performance on the field, you know, this year somewhat uh, impacts that decision making, you know, guys stepping forward in, into roles that that. I don't think we saw coming, you know, um, changes your outlook um, going into the year, whether that's, you know, the performances we've had out of the bullpen with guys like Seawald and Sadler and Steck and things like that. Um, or, you know, Toro just going on an absolute run after acquiring him, you know, uh, outlooks can shift fast as players really step up into roles and, and that's both fun and, and challenging. I'm glad you mentioned the bullpen names because there have been a lot of developmental wins in the bullpen. It has been amazing to watch develop. And I think during the course of the season, we've broken down Seawald and guys like that. But I don't feel like we've talked about Sadler in depth. And here he is. I mean, it is just hanging zero after zero every time he takes the mound. What has made Sadler so good this year? Yeah, Sadler, the the forgotten man with the sub one ERA. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. How does that happen? Um but- Man, yeah, he is uh, just really crafty. You know, three really strong pitches. Um, I think early on we saw him really leveraging the cutter and the curveball, kind of the cutter to get ahead and the curveball to to finish. And I think recently we've seen that sinker um, come into play, sort of backdooring it to lefties and things like that. But he's someone, you know, I think converse to someone like Seawald who – has his plan a that is fastball up and and slider to finish or a mix of fastball and slider i think with casey there's a lot of nuance there in that he has three quality in different ways pitches and it allows a lot of options to to deploy it um depending on who the hitter is so um fun person to sort of game plan with and is really open to information and and it's just done a really good job yeah, per, perhaps the unsung hero of the fun differential. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the reason maybe he doesn't get talked about much is, is like we're sort of alluding to, there's just so much success in the bullpen mm-hmm. and obviously huge credit to the players, but every pro, every every step of the way, talent identification, development, uh, helping the pitchers be the best version of themselves, and then our our coaching staff and our, and our pregame process of 
putting these guys in the best positions to succeed, I think we're just we are getting the very best that we can possibly be getting out of these players. Are the Mariners embracing fun differential? Oh, we've been here for years, Gary. I, <laughs> I believe one of our analysts has had fun differential as their Slack icon for four years yeah. now. <laughs> fun differential actually emerged from the analytics Slack and, you know, I think in the 2018 yes. season, which was actually a very, you know, fun differential season. Edwin yes. Diaz was the original fun right. differential uh, <laughs> yes. provider. Uh, certainly not something we want to fully maybe not fully embrace in the sense that uh you know the the projectability of such things is questionable but you know we think we think it's a i think it's a fun team and there's going to be some fun going forward yeah Ho- hopefully you know going forward we're both a run and fun differential team <laughs> yeah. yeah it'd be having both wouldn't be a bad thing yeah. <laughs> and not talked about enough that our our run differential has trended up throughout the year and yeah. um has been pretty solid in the second half here yeah uh, that's a good point. I'm really curious about this because, as we've talked about, we've talked about all the work that you and the staff put in in the off season and in spring training with pitchers. What about for a trade like Tyler Anderson, who comes over uh, in July? You know, he's already been pitching all season long with a team, uh, and he's obviously pitched great since he got here. But how much do you approach him with? changes or do this more that sort of thing like how much does that work in season gosh i mean he's really dialed in to begin with i think uh you know i I think everyone has just been really impressed with um his preparation going into starts his knowledge of his skill set um really good competitor really good self-evaluator um so he's really taken it and ran with it you know i think there's small things that are that are kind of matchup based i think Mm. i think we've seen him work with us to pick up the lefties that um are susceptible to kind of that drop down two seam fastball or um you know the hitters that are most susceptible to the change up or things like that you know maybe leveraging some pitches in certain matchups a little bit differently than he did with other teams but in general man he's just really dialed into what he does well and and comes to every start really prepared um you know he's generally pretty fastball oriented with the two seam four seam cutter mix but then He'll drop down and, and give you some off-speed looks. And, um, yeah, it's a good pitcher. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to look at how this has developed because the Mariners are handing the ball every five days to a starter. And you look around baseball, that should not be taken for granted uh, when you look around because there are not many teams right now that have a five-man rotation where every guy is taking the ball for uh, what has been a lengthy stretch now. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about this a little bit upstairs, which is that early in the season, you know, we were hit pretty bad with the injury bug mm-hmm. and it, you know, it was a real downer for, for getting out of the gates quickly. And I think we saw that, you know, the team struggled and that has more than rebounded, I suspect, at this point with, with the run we've been on. And obviously, you know, uh, there's been some calling up of prospects and trading for arms, but with the run we've been on, I, you know, we probably have better than average luck uh for pitcher injury uh certainly you know some credit for how we're handling those pitchers but pitchers break and it's it's been a really it's been huge we couldn't be on this run right now staying in it without that i'm springing this one on you but talking about this makes me think of a a rule change i would love to see one is i think we have to change the qualification for starting pitchers I think that inning limit has to change right because I look around in the American League there's like 16 qualified pitchers by the time we get to the end of the season and maybe like 14 
when we get there. I, I feel like that has to be a rule change. Uh, another numbers rule change I would like to see, I think stolen bases should be looked at as a plus minus instead of a total. Hmm. Love that. Because I, like I think yeah. a, a guy steals 30 bases is great, but if you get caught 15 times, <laughs> that's not so great. But if you're like what Merrifield who steals like 40 and gets caught four times, plus minus – Tells a, a better story. You're speaking our language. Yeah, on the pitchers, th- on the starting pitcher qualifications, I like. I think our conversations are going more and more towards like, you know, at what point are they just pitchers? <laughs> like, at a certain point, you know, the lines get blurred between starters and relievers. And then, yeah, I'll, on the stolen bases thing, right? That's certainly how how we ingest that, and you know, we break down uh, base running value in a bunch of ways that I'm really proud of, but a player's ability to steal bases usually isn't what drives their value with their legs. Because like you talked about, you can be really fast, but if you're making less than efficient decisions, which again, aren't always in the player's control, you end up going nowhere. And, you know, to that end, two players that have been really great this year, I guess you already mentioned Merrifield as well, but you know, Dylan Moore's efficiency for us has mm. been incredible. I mean, shoot, even when they try to pick him off, he's safe. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. I've never seen that twice <laughs> in a game before, by the way. Right. That's incredible. And uh, and then also uh, on on the other side of the ball today, Starling Marte. I mean, his efficiency for the quantity of steals is is jaw dropping. It's it's not often you can pick up that much value stealing bases. Just uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been fun. I always appreciate you coming on. I love the conversation. Hey, Ichiro. And there uh, he is. <laughs> I appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.